Welcome back to Drag Time with Heclina, everybody. Um, well, I'm still here in Palm Springs and uh, I'm getting ready, you know, things are reopening. I'm getting ready to uh, do a one woman show in San Francisco on Sunday, May 30th. And I'll tell you more all about that later when I have more details, but um, back to our podcast. We have somebody very exciting coming on the show today. But first I just wanna say thank you for all the tips you've been sending a few bucks from just a few people every month really helps uh, Mark uh, afford to keep the show going. Uh, Mark's, Mark does all the work and rents all the equipment. We can be found as Drag Time on both Venmo and Cash App. Just visit our website, dragtimewithheclina.com to find out more ways you can support us. Now, about my guest today, uh, she is best known, of course, as a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. She appeared as a contestant on season two and again on All Stars season one. She is also a writer, comedian, and recording artist. Her single, Cooter, reached 56 on the iTunes dance chart. And more recently, her parody song, Oops, I Think I Pooped, reached number two on the iTunes comedy chart. She's made numerous appearances on theatrical stages and television all over the world, produced a public access show, and wrote her own original play called Lipstick Massacre. Please give it up for my dear friend, it's Pandora Box. Hi, Pandora. Hi. Oh my gosh. You know, that intro made me sound really extra fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? I mean, what was it like? You know, now it's such a phenomenon now, but what was it like being a contestant on the show at the very beginning? Yeah, it's crazy because we shot it um, 12 years ago because we shot it in 2009. And oh my God. I, I can't believe one that I'm that old now and <laughs> two that it's been that long because it it is it's crazy that it's gone on for so long because I don't think anybody then thought we would be like they're auditioning for season 14 now I don't think anyone thought that so crazy yeah so it's crazy and yeah it's it's just bigger and better than ever and you know all the new queens get a lot more publicity than i ever did and <laughs> although although i will say uh, the new queens aren't able to go clubbing and make that money you know they they've not been able to do their you know that's what people go on the show for is to become famous yeah. and and go make the coins and they've not been able to do that but yeah it really sucks. I hope that uh, I hope everyone remembers that when clubs open. So give these girls a, a break and give yeah. them some jobs. Like season 12 girls really are. They're going to have to go back out there and, you know, hopefully not be forgotten. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's tougher. It's mm -hmm. been tough for everybody. Every drag queen. It's just like, oh, wow. It's yeah. really just like, fuck my drag. Basically, right. it's just like you kind of realize that drag is very non-essential. Um, exactly. Yeah. But that it is essential because when I've done a couple of digital shows, people have been so grateful and generous and people are hungry for it. So I think when everything opens, the drag shows are going to become very popular. Yeah, well, I was just I was just talking to uh, somebody about that the other day about how when things reopen, it's going to be well, uh, it could work two ways. There's going to be so many options for people to go see that it might be overwhelming, but I think a lot, I think so many people are just gonna wanna go out. People have told me that they used to take going out for granted so much that I think people are going to be much more willing to explore things. And uh, and I won't necessarily have to pay thousands of dollars, you know, for, for, for to book people. It'll just be more democratic, you know. 
<laughs> yes, well, I mean, every queen is going to want jobs, so there will yeah. be a plethora of queens to choose from. Yes. Uh, uh, what was it like for you? I mean, I've talked about this with so many of my guests, but what 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 was it like for you to immediately pivot and have to do shows or performances online? Well, you know, at first I freaked out. I think like everyone did when I kept getting emails of all the gigs that were canceling that, <laughs> that I had right. uh, before. And, and then also, unfortunately, I worked for this club that uh, did uh, stopped paying everybody, basically, in a short ver- version of it, uh, and had to leave that club because wasn't getting paid and that club was, was closed before the pandemic. So it was, it was a combination of getting screwed over by this club and then the pandemic and then ev- every gig is canceling. Yeah. And it was a lot. It was just like, oh, wow. Mm. But there was a moment where maybe like in the very beginning that I kind of was like, this is the first break I've had from drag in so long and it's forced and I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And it made me not get so concerned about gigs other queens were getting. Like, right. that, oh, oh, she's getting this, and why am I not getting this? And blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So when it took it away from everybody, <laughs> when no yeah. one had gigs, it really made me, uh, felt, like, think about, this is wasted energy. Why am I thinking about what other people are getting? It's not doing me any good. I should focus on myself. And so for, like, a month, I was good with it. And then I was like, well, you know what? I also need money so <laughs> i need to figure that out because i need some money but, yeah 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 i mean thank god for the digital shows that i that i done and uh yeah and I, i've managed to make it work and i started making masks and selling them mm-hmm. and just trying to you know find any kind of source of income like i think most of us yeah in the drag world we've had to yeah we've had to really get creative and um but but I think we can agree the money is just not the same, you know, uh, like asking for Venmo tips, you know, is just not oh. the same as, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, uh, definitely not. So, yeah, it's our it's our time to uh, to go make some coin. And have, have things been opening up for you? Are your bookings starting again? I t- like a few. And mm-hmm. I did like I've only done like three live shows in like mm-hmm. the past couple of months. Executive Suite in Long Beach opened up and I. I really love the owners there and I felt really safe like doing it. And and then I did do a brunch in Palm Springs at Chill Bar and people were really like gracious and I cut of that money and I was not disappointed with the tips I received. <laughs> I was like, hey, all right. Cause it's, it's, it was actually really hot that day too. And it was, there's three numbers. And I was like, this is a lot. <laughs> and if you have to walk so far, I was like, you know what? I haven't done a lot. Uh, walk in drag yeah. and heels. <laughs> I'm okay. I've got to say, I'm mad at you that you did not tell me you were doing a show in Palm Springs. Well, you know, here's the thing. I still have to uh, associate you with Palm Springs now and not San Francisco. Oh, really, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your screen name here, right? It says Heclina SF, so. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Now, one thing that uh, that I find really interesting about you is that you are from Rochester. And because when I was a kid, I was born in Minneapolis. My, you know, my mother's Icelandic, and she ended up there when she m- married my father. But when she divorced, we moved to Rochester when I was uh, six years old, and uh, because we had Icelandic relatives that lived there, 
and I, you know, my childhood in, in Rochester was, you know, was great. And, you know, when, when you're a kid, you, it seems like it's all really big, you know what I mean? The city and stuff. And um, of course I went back years, years later in my adult years and, you know, it's a small city and, but you're from Rochester, Darien Lake is from Rochester. Isn't there another person on, on Drag Race from yeah, Rochester? Yeah, um, Ka- Kasha Davis. Oh, Kasha Davis, of course. So um, I really have fond memories of Rochester. What, I mean, what is it like there? Like the drag scene has to be really strong for these three queens to have come from there. Yeah, I think that, uh, it, and it was definitely strong when I came onto the scene and because I didn't know anything about drag. I saw Darian perform at an outdoor festival, the Park F Fest in Rochester. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what is this? Who, mm-hmm. What? You can, mm-hmm. you can dress up in drag like this. You can dress up like a lady and lip sync a song and people give you money. Um, I Yes, sign me up for that because I've been doing it in my bedroom for like years. So I, I would like <laughs> I would like to do that. And I think, yeah, I definitely credit Rochester for my drag because I think that there was a good group of people that we became friends. And, you know, not always, not every day we were friends. <laughs> oh. You know, a group of drag queens. Right, right, right. Yeah, but um, it just became, there was a sense of competition too. It was like, we just got these shows that were really busy. We advertised for like uh, straight people to come because we knew they were even more fascinated with drag. And it took off. It was huge. It was a huge Sunday night in Rochester at Club Marcella. And uh, I really credit that because I worked there like three days a week and all the queens wanted to be their best and do really well. And yeah, it's it's a it's a great city for drag. It has a large uh, LGBTQ uh, community. And I think it's a very artistic community in general. So I think that may be why it's a little more accepting or felt accepting. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember as a child, it's a big Italian, is it a big Italian population? Uh, or am I getting this wrong? You could be right. I don't know. I just, <laughs> you know what? Cause I always had, I, I came out and moved to Rochester. So I only know what it's like to be a drag queen and gay in Rochester. Uh, okay. Well, my mother met her second husband in Rochester and he was from a big Italian family. And, um, yeah, I, I have to go back there sometime and check it out. When I was a kid, I went to that downtown department store with the trains that, you know, yes. what was that called again? Uh, Midtown Plaza. Yes, I have some little, little memories as a child from Midtown sadly, Plaza. It's sadly not there anymore. But. Oh, well, I know. I, I guess downtowns kind of die after a while. They've had, you know, I, I kind of keep up, but I haven't been back. But they had so many plans to revitalize their downtown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the city is doing because there were so many good plans and people just like in the city council or whatever keep rejecting it. And it's like, what? There is nothing downtown. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to you need to do something to revitalize it right. because it could be a really cute downtown area. Yeah, I, I th- it was cute for me when I was a kid. I loved it. I loved that mall. Um, but shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about Pandora Box again. So uh, I mentioned Ooh. briefly. <laughs> I know, right? I mentioned briefly the um, the lipstick massacre. So tell me about the play that you wrote. Oh well, you know, I actually wrote plays growing up all the time. I, I 
I still have a lot of them and folders and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to read them because I'm sure they're awful. But uh, <laughs> when I was in grade school, when I was in fifth grade, I wrote and produced a play and put it on from my school. It was a, a Christmas play and my mom directed it. And then the next year I wrote the sequel and I fired my mom and I directed it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, ruthless. It's very Hollywood. My mom's always like, yeah, you replaced me. Yeah, <laughs> that time. is pretty ruthless. Yeah, it's firing your mom. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I, uh, so yeah, I, I, I have this idea for, it's a, it's a murder mystery play kind of like, uh, like clue. And, you know, I even did the ending where the audience voted on the murderer. So there were different endings depending on who you thought it was. And um, yeah. And my friend, David Henderson, who I went to college with, he, we talked about it and then he kind of just went and set it up and he got a place. And I was like, well, I guess I should finish this play then. Uh, and yeah, we put it on in Rochester once and then we brought it back and did it at Jiva Theater in Rochester, which is, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal to be at Jiva. And uh, it was really fun. And Kasha Davis was in it uh, and I wrote the part specifically for her. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a fun, campy, like a murder by death, clue, murder mystery, like there's like elements of like Scooby-Doo in there. I love it's it. It's just a, re- it, it, the basic premise is it's murder by makeup. So these people just getting, get killed by like lipstick, but it never gets fully really explained how that happens. Except <coughs> one, one character who keeps solving everything kind of keeps asking, but people interrupt her. It's just like <laughs> campy and ridiculous and... And yeah, and I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I would love to do more things like that, you know, although theater is very time consuming. It is, it is. And yeah. does not generally pay a lot, so. Right, I mean, people people are not very adventurous going out to theater. They want things that they know. That's why we do like Golden Girls, because that's the one thing that, you know, packs packs the house. Yeah, um, they, they, they love Golden Girls. I, I'm but, still trying to get in a Golden Girls cast, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I, well, I, did not, I didn't know that. Well, it, it'll be it'll be easier now that you're in L.A. Um, but I'm sold with the Lipstick Massacre because you, you said Murder by Death. And it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's some questionable moments in it now when you look. Back oh, at it. you could never do <laughs> Pete, Peter Sellers as uh, Charlie Chan. You know, what yeah. I mean? yeah. I mean, but the rest of that whole, like the, if you ignore, not ignore it, but you know, it, it's a really funny movie. There's some really great moments in it, well, and, it yeah. and an amazing cast. Um, you know, I was talking with somebody uh, the other day, there's always these great movies. And then you're, and then there's like one moment where you're like, what the fuck what is that? Like, you can't ignore Mickey Rooney in the, in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, like, you know, yeah. you, it, it kind of ruins the whole thing. And of course, the the troublesome rape scene in Showgirls that did not to be didn't didn't need to be in there. Whatever. So, but I, I still I still remember liking Murder by Death as a child. And then um, you know, it's still funny. I mean, aside from the character, right. which I hate, I don't. I'm not dismissing that, but right. it, it's a shame that they. I, it's a shame they didn't actually sit there and think. You know, this isn't really a good idea. <laughs> Well, it just wasn't, you know, back then, I think they called it cultural appreciation, you know, or something. Yes. But, um, but yes, they did make, uh, I mean, it's true. Like, if you're going to have somebody who plays an Asian, they, they just didn't think back then, like, we should hire an Asian person, you know. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm it, glad at least times have changed enough that, that, I mean, it still happens. There's still, like, you know, the... the uh, 
uh, uh, what is it called when uh, the white casting or, you know, when, when Scarlett Johansson plays like every race and role in a thing and uh, that still happens, but it's, but we have come at least a little bit further. We've come so, a lot, we've come a lot further where now something like that is so glaring, but as a child, I didn't think twice about it, you know? I mean, I didn't either, but yeah. it's, but it's like, I'm also white. So I definitely didn't experience the, those kind of things. What must it have been like? Yeah, I mean, this is a whole different topic, but what what must it have been like for an Asian child to see that portrayal, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure horrible. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, let's not go down that road. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to brush it under the carpet, but we're, no, here, to talk, right. we're here to talk about Pandora. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, any musical stuff going on? Like, like I talked about, you've recorded lots of songs and some uh, in collaboration with other artists. Do you have any other music? coming up yeah i've been kind of slowly working on an album because i just really want to do one it's like a childhood fantasy and you know i know i'm not an amazing singer and that's kind of not what it's about it's just about making i want to make like fun dance music that's just a kind of little like goofy you know Mm -hmm. like not taking it serious i want people to listen and have fun and so slowly you know, it's also trying to like be at this point, it's like, okay, where am I going to get the money <laughs> to make this album that I want to make? Right. So it, it's, um, but yeah, yeah and I, I do have things in the works and I'm working with uh, Electro Point who did a few of my songs in the past and, and he's really great to work with. So it's like a fun process. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people uh, from RuPaul's Drag Race, especially, and thinking of a couple of examples who who made music and they spent a lot of money on videos, uh, and they're now in debt, you know, too because of these videos. So yeah, yeah you, you you do have to be very careful about pouring a lot of money into. Well, it. I am thankful because one of these people that's made a lot of those videos that are really expensive owes me a lot of favors, so I'm going to get a good deal on the next video <laughs> he makes me. <laughs> So I did. All, I used to do all these videos for him, and uh-huh. just any kind of crazy shit he asked me to do, I did. So I'm like, "Hey, remember when you made me do all that stuff?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I don't think you paid me for a lot of it." So hey, uh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. call in that favor now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we won't. I'm not gonna ask you who that person is. Um. So uh, okay, can I ask you this? Were you a nerd as a kid? Um, yes, I'm sure, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, I saw, I was a nerd too. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, no. Um, I was more into comic books and I was more into superheroes. I saw that you, uh, you recently wrote an article uh, for StarTrek.com and it seems that Star Trek was really important to you as a queer kid. Uh, tell me about your, I mean, your, tell me about what I assume is your love of uh, Star Trek. Yeah, I was very into like sci-fi and fantasy and movies like that. I was very into movies and and television. And uh, I I don't know, you know, I got picked on a lot in school, like a lot of us did. Mm -hmm. And I I guess like escaping through television and movies was the way I kind of dealt with it. And yeah, and uh, Star Trek was on, it was on, I was always a night owl too when I was younger. And Star Trek was on really late at night. And I don't know, I just watched it one time and I was like, what is this? This is, and I didn't know the word, I didn't know what campy meant at mm-hmm. that time, but in my head, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Is this campy and fabulous? And uh, right. and I just remember, uh, and, then, and the one article I wrote about in 
in the, in the article for Star Trek, which actually I got very excited that I pitched this thing and they accepted it. And I'm like, bitch, I'm on StarTrek.com. This is like, like the little kid in me would have been freaking out because of that. Right. And so there's, there's an episode where uh, it's an alien race and they're having, they've had these decades and centuries long war and they're like one side of their face is completely white and one side is completely black like a, like a half moon cookie kind of thing mm-hmm. and they're fighting with the other uh part of the race which is the reverse of the colors and when they're talking to the people on the on, on the enterprise that no one can understand why they're fighting because they look at him and they're like well look at him and they're right. like we don't what and they say that it's the reverse and it's just such an amazing statement on racism and just being different and the fact that this and you know uh 60 year spoiler alert they end up destroying their entire race over this fight between you know just having the reverse colors on their face right and it, that episode always stuck with me because it's kind of like, even though there wasn't a lot of, there was no queerness basically on the original Star Trek is that they had episodes like that, which made me feel like great because it's like, oh, well, this makes it sound so ridiculous to just hate somebody because they're different than you. Yeah. Did you, uh, speaking of which, did you happen to watch the Oscars? It was very, well, of course it was very strange because of the pandemic, but it was very, it felt very black. You know, there was no host. Um, the DJ who ran, it was, it was run by Questlove, who, who was DJing while he was hosting. He was, I guess he was kind of the host. Um, it was very uh, represented, uh, you know, Asian movies, black movies made up a huge chunk of the Oscars. And even, even the section in memoriam, you know, when they used to show the dead people who died, like they would play some really schmaltzy song. They played a Stevie Wonder song. And so I was like, wow, this is so different. Uh, did you watch it? I didn't watch it, but I read things about mm-hmm. it and like watched them. I mean, I, I had to watch the Glenn Close clip of her doing debut because I was like, <laughs> why, is, why is everyone saying Glenn Close hashtag debut? I was like, what is this about? And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they gave her it before or if she actually knew it. I kind of do think she probably knew it. And uh, I just, it was a fun moment because it's just not, it's unexpected from her. And for somebody of her caliber to just have like a good sense of humor about it and actually to to note something that is really important, how that was snubbed for an Oscar. And uh, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I don't think, uh, and I haven't seen the movies. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins was lovely, but I think that was, I the Academy voters really <laughs> missed an opportunity to uh, pay their respects to an actor that's no longer with us. Well, I feel like I feel like he should have been nominated instead of best actor. He should have been nominated for best supporting actor because he would have won that. But, um, you know, for the other movie he was in, which I can't really remember what it was anyway. um, Yes, but it was just very interesting. Uh, And, um, you know, I I'm in Palm Springs, which is very white, but we were all sitting watching these Oscars and it felt kind of unprecedented, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, I, I think because, I mean, they've gotten so much flack for, what is it like, hashtag Oscar so white? <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. And I think uh, most of the people who vote on the movies that are in the Academy are still white, but they finally had to have a reckoning, you know. So um, anyway, I just, that's just interesting. But, but yeah, I, I, I went off on a tangent because I was talking about Star Trek. Anyway, 
<laughs> um, what are some of your most, okay. So I have, one thing I do is I follow you um, on Facebook and I see some of your posts and I see some of your recommendations. First of all, at recommendations and questions asking like what are good horror movies to watch and stuff like that. And I saw that you recently watched them, which I tried to watch and I just thought it was so terrible. But what have you been, <laughs> what have you been streaming and watching lately? Um, what have I been watching? I, them is very uh, disturbing and mm -hmm. Uh, the scariest people in that movie or in that show are the white people. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is how they really were. Right. Um, but uh, what have I what have I been watching? Um, I watched the new Mortal Kombat movie and I was entertained. I know people like hated it, but I was like, I didn't. What am I expecting from a movie about people fighting and chopping their heads off? I'm like, <laughs> I just was like, I, you entertained me. Thank you. Um I've been watching his dark materials on HBO Max, uh, which is, it's very interesting. It's, it's a good uh, series. It took me a couple episodes to get into it, but um, what, oh God, what else am I watching? I feel like well, I've watched everything. Yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I remember early on in the pandemic, getting one of your, uh, getting one of your posts about what are some good horror movies. And I think I gave you some recommendations. And I think it's so funny how, just about every drag queen I know is so into horror. I love horror movies. And I I think I had asked for recommendations because I had, I can't remember the names of them, but I had watched like two or three in a row that were literally garbage. Like, yeah. I'm like, there's not even like a camp quality or, you know, something to redeem it. Cause if it's, if there's something in a horror movie, like some kind of gives you something, at least I'll enjoy it. Like I can make fun of it. But these were just like bad. I got mad at whoever gave them money to make it. And I'm thinking <laughs> there, I was like, you could give me money and I could make a better movie like this on yes. my phone i'm yes, like come yes. on now what's your favorite horror movie oh i think it has to be nightmare on elm street oh wow and i okay. i love the whole series of nightmare on elm street even oh, yeah. even the campy ones that aren't great like <laughs> i get so excited when those movies would come out like because i followed it and when they, especially when they followed a storyline and people returned and came back and i, I love that kind of stuff yeah, I remember going to see Dream Warriors, uh, which I think was part three or four. Anyway, uh, do, you, do you know which part that was? It was three. Okay. I remember going to see that in the 80s in downtown San Diego, and I was high on acid. And uh, and I just, that, that scene where he, shoots, where he shoots up the junkie with the needles and stuff. Yeah. I, I freaked out when I saw that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, I'm a, yeah. What's your favorite horror movie? Uh, it's really difficult because I, I, there's so many that I love, but it's either Halloween, the original one with Jamie Lee Curtis. In the iconic, yeah. Yeah, or uh, Rosemary's Baby. I mean, that one's good too. That was that one's creepy as hell yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, there's Texas Chainsaw, there's Nightmare on Elm Street, there's so many amazing ones. There's The Omen. There's yeah. too many, yeah. And, and then a lot of newer ones. I love Drag Me to Hell. I can watch that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and I love showing it to new people who haven't seen it. <clears throat> and, um, and there's, right before I, right before the pandemic started, uh, I went with a friend to see a movie because we knew everything was shutting down. And we saw this movie that didn't get much of a chance because of the pandemic. It was called The Hunt. Have you seen that? 
No, I haven't. You have to watch The Hunt if, if okay. you're, yeah. Um, so give that one a try. Uh, okay, well, I'm just at the end of, uh, of the podcast, but uh, I, I just want to, I've saved the most important question for last. <laughs> now, uh, so I, I just want to, our history together, you know, we, I think we first got to really know each other uh, working on nine to five in San yeah. Francisco. And then we traveled with it. I think we did it in Portland and Seattle. Um, but I'm not saying that, 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 that has, that I'm not trying to, you know, influence your answer. <laughs> what is your favorite memory of Heclina? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, honestly, it is nine to five because nine to five actually was one of my, the, my most favorite things that I've done like ever in drag because I love love the movie so much right. and I was thrilled that I got to be Dorley Rhodes um although I did almost have a panic attack our first time that we performed it and I remember being in the dressing room like that small little dressing room and Dallas just closed the door <laughs> and Dallas is a costume designer and a friend yeah. of mine and in case people don't know but it's like she closed the door she's like I need you to breathe you're gonna be uh -huh. fine because it's like it's so iconic too I didn't want to like flub it up or anything but it was it was so much fun and I'm glad that we got to do it on tour because she uh, Peaches Christ started doing the tour is like like after I had done production so I was like I want to go on a tour yeah that was totally fun I loved it <laughs> yeah it was it was great fun and, and it was fun to work with everyone and I don't know it was just it was a lot of fun and I would do it again in a heartbeat Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> well, now that I know that, um, now that I know that you want to be part of Golden Girls, we'll have to make that happen too. Oh my God. Yeah, I would love to. I, I almost did it one time with uh, Sherry and Jackie and their group because mm -hmm. uh, Drew was going to be gone and then he wasn't gone because I was going to play Rose, mm -hmm. like and take a weekend over. But, but no, I, I haven't even been like a guest star <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's like, let me play one of these people. Yeah, Alaska came and she was a guest star. We, we probably wouldn't have you be one of the girls because the, one of the people who plays the girls in our cast would probably kill me. But we, oh, you know. Yes, uh, for sure. I wouldn't, I, and I don't want to take any. The only reason I was, I was going to say yes is because he was just gone for like a weekend and I, I was going to fill in, but I'm like, I do not want to take anyone's role <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I think Sasha Valor also was a guest star when we went on tour, but she also had to play, a, 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 you know, one of the guest roles, but um, we'll find, we'll find a good role for you. Um, well, in the meantime, you can follow Pandora Box on her socials, Instagram at Pandora Box, that's with two X's, Twitter at The Pandora Box, and Facebook, you can find her as Pandora Box. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Hecklina. If you love us, show it, subscribe to the show, like us, rate us, and please tell anybody you can about Drag Time with Hecklina. And finally, once again, thank you so much, Pandora Box, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. 